0: It's the next level. French chick said the others were coming for a kid. I think they came, Mike. What?
1: He's the one they wanted. Why, I got a bullet in my shoulder. Hell, Bluebeard blew us up because they wanted your kid. You saying this is my fault? That's what I'm saying. They took my son because of you, Rick. They were selling away. They found us because they were looking for us. For what? Don't you ever say his name again, ever. Now, what you gonna do? Splash me. Welcome, survivors, into yet another episode of "We Have to Go Back," our Lost Revisited podcast from the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck,
2: and from the Podcastica Network, I am Kristen Hal. We have officially left the first season! Yay! Oh
1: well, uh, yeah! As of last week, we're jumped into season two.
2: I yes, am so
1: excited! I now really we're am. In
2: it now, we're in it. I know. Yeah. This is exciting. Uh, so this episode, we are covering season two, episode two, Adrift.
1: And you know what? It's, this is one of those episodes that I have more notes this week than I did last week. Last week was the season premiere that was kind of really setting up a tonal change in the, in the series. And this week, I have more notes than I did last week. However, this episode, in my opinion, is more straightforward. There's, yes. there's not a lot of mystery to this episode. It's really kind of just driving forward what more what we're going to expect. This is a lot of setup for season two. That's the best way yeah. I can
2: put it. I would agree with that.
1: So, yeah, there are a lot of things that this, this episode sets up for this second season. And let me tell you, this episode so far was the hardest one to not want to keep watching.
2: Yeah, I wanted to keep going as well.
1: It, it, it was very tough, and I watched this week's episode twice. Uh, I watched it once, and I'm going to start doing that because I've ordinarily just been watching them once and taking notes as I watch. But I want to start watching once as a viewer again
2: and just... Ah, noticing the Kristen approach i am
1: because there was a couple (laughs) of things that as i was watching it the first time uh, i was like oh need to make a note of that need to make a note of that need to make a note of that Mm -hmm. and then the second time i watched it i actually took the notes which might be why i have more notes this week than i did last week
2: yeah i find that you know if you watch it once as a viewer you know I, i i say as a fan i watch it once as a fan and then once for the podcast and then the second time, what's nice is that while you're um, taking notes, you don't feel compelled to have to look at the screen the whole time to watch the show yeah. and try and pay attention. And so because you already kind of know what's there, you're just kind of refreshing and, and, and going through your notes. And I don't know. I get more out of the episode when I do it that way, especially if I'm prepping for uh, a podcast. Yeah. I, and I, think- I learned that technique with Game of Thrones because – I'm getting to the point now that I need three watches for Game of Thrones.
1: Well, one of the one of the reasons why I haven't been doing it is, well, for starters, I've already watched through this series a number of times, but I still love it, which is why we're, we're talking about it every week. So I felt like I didn't really need to because I've already watched it as a fan a number of times, but now I kind of want to do it again. And also when it comes to you, you do this with Game of Thrones because you do one episode a week. Well, right now you're doing multiple episodes a week uh, until next week when you're back down to one. But when it comes to my DC podcast, we do we cover four shows a week. So it's very tough for me to watch the episode once and then watch it again to right. take notes because it takes a lot more time to do that. So I'm yeah. so used to that system already that I kind of just naturally adapted it to Lost, but I'm going to change it for Lost because I, I do. I, I want to rewatch as a fan again too because that's what I am. Oh, good. So, um, a couple things about the podcast. If, if you're new to it, uh, we welcome you officially. Uh, these podcasts are are. Uh, posted every friday these are spoiler full podcasts so you will get spoilers for the future of the series if this is your first time watching we apologize for that for ahead of time uh and we talk about one episode of the show per podcast i also want to make mention too our numbers recently have been fantastic our numbers keep going up our numbers keep going up every week uh, so we're getting new and new less, more and more listeners every week, which is great. We love hearing that. Uh, but I want to encourage everybody who's listening, whether you've been listening from the start or you're just starting now, uh, we want to hear your feedback. So make sure you listen to the podcast later as we'll give you the ways that you can do that because we do want to get your feedback from these episodes as well. Because if you send us messages or record yourself, we will read them and play them on the podcast. So yep. your, your voice will be heard. So make sure you listen later in the podcast on how you can leave us feedback as well. But let's get into it with our top five for season two, episode two, Adrift. Cool, man. I will kick it over to you, as I usually do. What is your number five for the episode?
2: Oh, my number five is just kind of little. It's uh, what we get in this episode is kind of a meanwhile episode. Um you know, last last week it focused a lot on Jack and the Hatch. Uh, we didn't get a lot much more than that. And this episode, we get kind of what was going on. Meanwhile, while Jack was making his way back over the Hatch and going in, and, and eventually meeting up with Desmond, we get a lot of we get to know what was what's been going on with uh, the raft, which you know is something that I'm sure all of us you know, if you're a full-time, if you're a first-time viewer, sorry, if you're a first-time viewer, um, you're seeing that, you see the premiere of, of season two and there's no mention of it other than a drenched Walt. And so this episode is the episode that you get that meanwhile, okay, so while this was happening, this is what happened on the raft. And then while, you know, Jack was um, trying to, calm everybody down at the caves and go back down into the hatch after, after Kate, uh, this is what Locke and Kate were going through. And then you get this really great uh, extra flashback piece of information about Michael as well, which we'll go into later. But um, I like the meanwhile episode. I like it when we get one, one, um, one perspective of an event and then we'll rewind and we'll go back to the same, time period but just from different perspectives and different characters so that was my number 5
1: okay yeah and you know what it's it's funny too because going back and rewatching this episode for some reason and this is kind of touching base on watching it as a fan for some reason i had it in my head that this episode was just nothing but these guys in the raft uh, you know, I had thought we the first episode was nothing but on the island, with no mention of these guys on the raft. And then I thought, for some reason, this episode was the reverse of that. I had forgotten that we actually do get more from the hatch, and and such. So it was a nice little surprise that we started this episode. Did we start with them on the raft or did we start with, on, the, on the island? I can't remember.
2: Uh, we started with the raft. Sawyer pulls Michael out of the water, performs CPR. Um, yeah,
0: that's right. That's how okay. we start
2: off with Michael yelling Walt over and over again and then drowning and then, well, kind of drowning, right? I mean, he just exhausts himself under the water. Sawyer pulls him out, finds a piece of wreckage, does does the CPR, you know, basically steps up whenever he does, whenever there's trouble. Yeah. Being Sawyer. Sawyer being Sawyer.
1: Um, you know what? I Since you brought it up, I'm actually going to use that as my number five. And I want to okay. go into Michael's cries for Walt. Um, this is one of those episodes where every once in a while, like, this is a huge ensemble cast. And, you know, there are moments throughout the series where one actor really shines above many, you know, the rest of the cast. And this is one of those episodes, while it is a Michael-centric episode, because this is the backstory that we're getting in the flashbacks, um, Harold Perrineau put on a stellar performance as a grieving father in this episode. Uh, I think, by far, like he outshined every other actor in this episode. Uh, I don't know if you get the same feeling about that or not, but from from start to finish in this episode, from his cries for Walt, being a grieving father, uh, you know, telling Sawyer, you'll never know what it's like to care for somebody else, all the way to the end when he has his breakdown, when they're floating on the pontoon. I think this has been nothing but a stellar performance from Howard Poinou, this episode.
2: Yeah, um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but he is the reason why I started watching Lost. Um, I was a big Romeo and Juliet fan, the Leo version. And uh, his role as Mercutio um, in that movie just, to me, was just leaps and bounds better than anybody else's performance in that particular movie, in my opinion. And when I learned that he was going to be on Lost, I was really, really excited. And he is the reason why I watched Lost. And then, you know, you just... I. Got all these bonus people and actors and story, and it, he quickly became uh, supplemental to everything else that was going on on the show because his character was just so unlikable. And I think you're right that this is one of those episodes that his character is extremely likable because if you're, whether you're a parent or not, if you've gone through any sort of loss or trauma, you can feel his pain. And um, you can really see kind of the five stages of grief that he goes through in yeah. this entire, in this entire episode, all the way to the end when he resolves, I'm going to get Walt back. So he's accepted the fact that, that Walt is gone by an other and, and Sawyer's points about, Hey man, that wasn't a big ship. That was a little boat and he was going back to the Island. Those were the others. Danielle Rousseau was right, you know, and it's like, Michael, he starts off in denial and he's just screaming for his son, and then he goes into anger. He goes into bargaining. He goes into uh, sadness or grief, and then he comes out of it with
1: with acceptance, this
2: acceptance and this resolve that he is going to get his son back. And it, you're right. He, it was a brilliant performance by him, uh, especially even in the flashbacks. Um, you know that. My number, my number four is actually Susan and Michael, um, and just kind of how Susan is is the villain in Michael and and Walt's story, uh, and and Michael and how passive he was uh, in the flashbacks. It's almost like he's decided he's never going to be like that again once he gets his son back, and which kind of gives you some insight as to why he's been such a bulldog uh this entire time that we've known him on the island
1: yeah and it's funny too because my number four is is again very similar to yours and and i'm going to kind of just tie it into yours a little bit in that my number four is actually kind of it's not necessarily a point i want to make it's more of uh, i want to ask your opinion on something Okay. And because it's the it's the way it came across to me. So I want to see if it came across to you as well.
2: I have a lot of opinions about Susan. I'll, uh, OK, I'll break good. It down I, soon. I, I think you're <laughs> I think
1: you're probably going to be right along the same train of thought as me then, too. When it comes to the whole situation of, you know, getting Michael to give up custody of Walt, to, not just custody, but his parental um, his parental rights to Walt. The way I saw that situation, we have that whole scene um, with him and Susan where they meet in the, in the room, the deposition room together uh, with no lawyers. And she that tells him- That was a him,
2: horrible scene.
1: She tells him, I think you're going to win. And you you know for the sake of, Walt, well, yada, yada, yada. Is it just me? Or does it come across that he was totally, 100%, in my opinion, guilted into giving up his parental rights,
2: she manipulated I, that entire situation. I don't think the he
1: entire, was entire situation. I don't think he was going to win at all. I think she did that. She told him that to boost his ego, just enough that she can manipulate him into doing it.
2: Yeah, and what, and you know what, she really proved. Look, there, there. Divorce is terrible, even when you're not divorced, right? E- even when they were never married to begin with. Um, separation, any separation is terrible. And and what Susan did was that she preyed on his weaknesses um, in service for her strengths. She, Walt was not, he wanted to make sure that Walt stayed with or near him. You know, it, it's very clear that Susan did not let Walt be around michael and it was used as a weapon in the entire episode you know he got into that horrible accident and as we know from the first season when she showed up at the hospital she didn't bring walt during his rehab she never brought walt by he couldn't go and visit Walt in the condition that he was in but she could have brought him by she could have shown support in that way and then she paid for all the medical bills probably as a preemptive strike to get more power over him in order to keep Walt in the long run because as we know she is a lawyer and she's got a lawyer boyfriend, who or a lawyer husband, and she belongs to a firm, and that's that's her top priority. I mean, she even says, you know, you're going to stop me from going to Rome, and what does she say? Um, she that you're going to stop me from being. Senior partner, and and why would you do that to me? Um, you should be able to use your rare talent, Michael. You are such a rare talent. If you had Walt, you know your art would get in the way, and and you don't want that, and you don't want me to not achieve my dream of being senior partner in italy with with you know our son who i don't want you you know it, it's just the whole thing is disgusting and it's so layered and it's so manipulative and it starts at the that at the very beginning e- even possibly with the car accident or or him or him getting hit by the car and that was when he had just gotten off the phone with her because she wouldn't let him see his son And so he was angry and he storms off into the street, gets hit by the car. He wakes up in the hospital. Now he's all broken, still can't see his son. And now he's even further barricaded from him. And then he gets dropped this paperwork. And then he gets this lawyer who's like, look, man, I'll file the injunction, but this is going to cost a lot of money. Why don't you just sign away your rights? Everybody's telling him, don't be a dad. Don't be a dad. You you don't want to be a dad. It's too much hassle to be a dad. And all this guy wants to do is be a fucking dad. Well, and,
1: you know, it's funny that you mentioned the lawyer, too, because the lawyer that he finds is somebody who, yeah, was even his own lawyer in many ways was against him. Like, this is going to cost so much money. This is David versus Goliath. Even Mm -hmm. at my rates, like this is going to cost a ton. And then when you're in that deposition with that lawyer for Susan who, God, we talked about this during prep a little bit, but you talk about somebody I want to throw a pie in their face. Mm -hmm. um like i i wanted like that lawyer just came off as so bitchy and rightfully so that's the way she should have she was supposed to be portrayed and i've seen that actress before she's a character actor i don't know her name but she pulled off the bitchy lawyer um but it's known that these two lawyers know each other so it almost felt to me that that was kind of a setup too is that this lawyer that michael had was somebody who Was He was meant to find so that he would fail. And it was part of this manipulation. Because even when that lawyer is attacking Michael during the deposition, his lawyer says, is this appropriate? You know, whatever the lawyer's name is, I forget. But he mentions the lawyer by name. They know each other. Now, in in a particular city, when it comes to depositions, uh, that tends to happen. These lawyers know each other because they run across each other a lot. But to me... In the whole setup, as you mentioning, you know, with paying his medical bills and everything from start to finish, feels like it was part of that manipulation.
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. And, you know, I I just Michael showed a lot of class during that. During that deposition, too, because, you know, she's like, what what were his first words? And, you know, what what was he wearing today or something like that? Like she was asking like these asinine questions, which. You know, gun to my head, I can't tell you when my son crawled. Like when people ask me questions about stuff like that, I'm always like, oh, I'd have to check, you know, and that's not because I don't love my my son that's not because i don't love my kids it's because it's a crazy time in life and you're tired most of the time but i digress um
1: hey look i there are times i can't even tell you what shirt i'm wearing without looking down to look
2: and right, see but you know but it's like you know my husband traveled traveled a lot when the kids were real young and if i ever wanted to keep my kids god forbid that we we would ever come to this stage I would never use the fact that he couldn't be with us or he couldn't be with the kids as, as a a weapon to use against him. You know, Michael wanted to be a part of Susan and Walt's life. Susan kept Michael out. Susan kept that wall up between Walt and Michael. It had nothing to do with Michael. And Michael is trying to say, I'm his father. And then I don't understand. Maybe you could tell me, why did the lawyer want him to repeat that for the record? I'm his father.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean it, it, and again like it, it shines such a different light on Michael as a character at this point too because in season 1 we had mentioned this when we talked about these episodes uh before when we were covering it in that he really comes across as somebody who just doesn't know how to be a father and mm-hmm. while that's still true you get a you get a different light because he is somebody who obviously did want to be a father uh, he wasn't he 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 wasn't somebody who just completely gave away his parental rights without a cause. Like he fought to be a father and that right was stripped from him. It wasn't something that he gave up willingly. It it, it was stripped away from him. And it makes you wonder that had he been in Michael's life this whole time, how different things would have been.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it really shines a different light on Michael as a character. It makes him maybe not more likable, but more sympathetic as a character. Mm-hmm. Because you kind of understand now that why he is the way he is. Yeah. You know, and not only that, but we see him through the, the, the stages of grief, how it passes so fast and how he's so passionate about it is that in many ways, when he's going through these stages of grief, it's kind of making up for lost time. Like Mm -hmm. he 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 finally got his son after all these years of not having him in his life. He's trying to make up for it. And it's stripped away from him again for a second time.
2: Right. Yeah. And, you know, he spends a lot of time in this episode blaming Sawyer uh, for all of his problems, blaming Sawyer for making making him shoot the flare gun and uh, blaming Sawyer for the shark showing up
1: there's a huge Um, blame game played between the two of them that's actually one of my numbers too that's actually one of my top five Um, but
2: so i won't spend too much time on it well that's um, i'll just
1: uh that was my number four and so we'll just we'll just reverse things and we'll go into my number three um since you you were going to be next anyway um i'll just go first with my number three and that that really is the blame game Um, you know there it's I, for Michael, it can be kind of scratched up scratched up to, you know, part of his, his stages of grief of, of losing Walt. But it, one of the things that I really liked about this when I was watching the whole blame game about everything that these two were playing with each other, and you're right, they're constantly just tossing blame back and forth to one another, even to the point where it gets almost to a level of immaturity when you know, Sawyer is off the raft and he gets over to the other piece of the raft and they're caught in the same current and Sawyer's like, what are you going to do, splash me? And that's exactly what Michael does. It's He's he, like, he well, yeah.
2: <laughs> I to- I wasn't, but I totally am now.
1: Yeah. But as much as these two characters kind of emulate a hatred for one another, there is still, and we've mentioned this with other characters before, there is still this mutual Kind of respect between the two of them, in that, as much as they emulate that they hate each other, the other still will not let anything happen to the other. Um, right. You know, so we see Sawyer digging the bullet out of his out of his uh, his arm with his own two fingers, which is a total badass move. Um, and then say to Michael, "Do you have a band aid?" Like yeah. <laughs> that episode, that that line made me laugh. But at the same time, you know, Sawyer would not let anything happen to Michael. When Michael was drowning from, you know, being out of energy, he's the one that brought him back. When Sawyer was in the water from his raft breaking apart, he climbed back on the raft and Michael didn't push him away because mm-hmm. it was his survival mechanism. He knew that Sawyer would survive if he was on the raft. And then even when it came down to the shark, Michael shot at the shark so that Sawyer could get to the pontoon like even though they emulate hatred they will not let anything happen to the other and there's yeah. a mutual respect between the two of them
2: and and at the end of it i think that they they actually bonded more as friends in the end once um once michael broke down and Sawyer saw that he really was broken up over over this and and he started to you know put that blame inwards you know Michael Michael blames Susan for everything that happened to him before they got... Probably, he also blames Susan for even being on the island in the first place because she died and he had to go and get uh, Walt from Sydney because she married somebody that wasn't willing to be his father when that's what he thought... That's what Michael thought all along what was happening. Um. You know he bared he bared the abuse from Walt on that one, um, so he probably had a lot of anger coming onto the island just from that experience alone. That when anything happened to him from then on out, it's almost like, well, who's at fault for this? Because I have, you know, none of this is my fault. None of this has been my fault. Um, So who else is going to be at fault for this? And it's not until he's alone with his thoughts floating on that pontoon while Sawyer's passed out and his son is gone that I think he really understands where his blame lies. Because while it's not his fault that the others came to get his son, he should not have had Walt on that raft. He should have left Walt on the island with trusted people if he wanted to go get help Walt had no business on that raft I think everybody knows it but in the moment once you get your son back you don't want to leave him again yeah you know even if that means both of you are going to die in the open water you don't you want to make sure that your your loved ones are with you but, you know, Jin left son behind. That was probably impossible for them to do. But he said, I'm going to do this for us. It's my fault that we're here. It's my fault that our marriage is like this. I am going to save us. You and, stay here and I'll come back for you. That and, was and the right thing to do. Yeah,
1: and not only that, but if something happens, I'd rather it happen to me and not to both of us.
2: Right, You right. know which, exactly. Which is
1: another situation. You're right, that Walt in hindsight, or that Michael in hindsight should have done with Walt. But again- it hindsight goes, is
2: 2020
1: yeah and it goes back to that whole situation that he just became a father again and he kind of doesn't want to lose that right so right yeah i, I can ex- i can expect him to being overprotective of walt make him believe that bringing him on the raft is is the best decision
2: right and you know S- sawyer Sawyer is soft with him in that moment and you know, Hey Mike, you all right. And he doesn't tell him that, you know, no, no, it's not your fault. He just lets Michael sit with it. Right. And he's like, he's there for him, but he's not going to sugarcoat anything for him because that's not who Sawyer is. Um, you know, they help each other get on land and, and they both realize that they're back home and I really liked that moment. But, um, You know, I think that Michael needed to go on that journey, unfortunately, um, and start looking inward to how his decisions and his actions uh, affect the outcome of other people, because I don't think that that's a lesson that he's learned since he hasn't had to be a father.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with that. And and you're right. I think it, it worked out better for Sawyer. Not, not necessarily Sawyer, but it was the best it was the best decision Sawyer made was to let him kind of come to that discovery on his own rather than force him to believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, like saying like, no, this is not your fault, because, again, that's it's part of a stage of denial and that Michael might not have believed it and it might have just made his anger towards Sawyer grow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in many ways, it makes Sawyer an, an even bigger character, too, because Again, he does make it a point to mention to Michael that he got shot trying to save Walt, which right. is true. He did. He got shot by uh, by Bluebeard, as he so lovingly <laughs> nicknames uh, Mister Friendly. You know, in that he was trying to prevent Walt from being taken. But it's mm-hmm. also Sawyer the one that kind of comes to the realization that you know we talked about a little bit when we were talking about the season one finale, in that. Rousseau was telling the truth she was coming they were coming for a kid it wasn't Aaron it was Michael or it was Walt they were coming for Walt and Sawyer is actually the first person to kind of make that realization and put that together on the series so Mm -hmm. of all people for that realization to come from it comes from Sawyer so it's really showing that Sawyer is a much smarter character than we put him and not only that, but mentioning the whole boat. Like, you don't know about boats. That boat came from somewhere else. He's the one that puts two and two together that this is the others.
2: And- Sawyer is street smart. He may not be book smart, but he's street smart. And he, he, there's a reason why he's gotten as far as he has with, with being a con man. I mean, he, he traveled to Australia on a fake name. So he knows his way around the world a little bit. Yeah. And so I think that there there should be credit where credit is due with that. I mean, just because you're kind of rough and tumble and you're a con man and and you're not that great of a person doesn't mean that you're not really good at what you do.
1: Yeah. No. And and there there's definitely truth to that too. In that he's a very street smart character. And uh, you you mentioned too, you know, throughout everything how there's. Almost that mutual respect between Michael and Sawyer is is turning into a friendship at the same time, a very strained one at this point. But it is becoming that uh, that becomes very, very important over the course of these next couple episodes. Mm -hmm. Very important over these next couple episodes. So uh, but that was my number three. I don't know if that based on your number three, too. But uh, what is your your number three?
2: Well, my number three is actually, um, we're going to switch over a little bit. Sure. And um, my number three is Charlie's story kind of sets up for the season. Yeah. Um, We are reminded of the Virgin Mary statues. Uh, We know that they're full of heroin. Claire comes across it. She's like, oh, you know, I didn't know that you were religious. And he goes, well, you never know when you're going to need it. Right. I think that we should have it just in case we need, we need her. Yeah. Right. And they're speaking, he's telling her the truth, but he's omitting a huge, uh, part of, of what that truth is. And, um, you know, it it's just, t- Charlie's about to go down a dark, little dark path, but, um, we did get to check in with Charlie and Claire this episode. And, um, That was my number three.
1: Well, I think it's also important to realize in that scene too. Um, there's something very underlying in that scene that I don't know if maybe you picked up on or not, or again, it might just be me overanalyzing, but as we've learned so far in the past, anytime I overanalyze a lot of times, it turns out to be, there's some truth to it in that scene where she, where Claire has the Virgin Mary and Charlie is holding Aaron. Uh, the roles reverse in that when he realizes that she has it, he gives Aaron back and takes the statue instead.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, that was not lost on me. There is, that was not lost. He on me.
1: at that point is showing what's more important. Now he loves Aaron. Like he, he, it has been shown time and time again so far in the season, in the first season that he is kind of treating Aaron like a surrogate son to him. He's, he's kind of stepping up to fi- to be a father because there's nobody else that can do it. And he's doing it for Claire, but it, th- he's, he genuinely has concern for Aaron too especially when you see the lengths that he went to to get Aaron back in the finale um but the fact that he was willing to having that statue in his possession over Aaron shows what's more important to him right now and it's the fact that he has that crutch
2: I don't know that I would say that it's more important to him right now I, mean, I would in that say moment that it it stresses the fact that an addiction is not something that is just resolved. An addiction is not something that goes away. You know, an addiction is just that. And it's important to remember that even though Char- Charlie is on this redemptive path and he has become a completely different person on the island, he is still an addict. And the island has given him one hell of a challenge.
1: True. True, and he kind of wants to keep a lot of things to himself at the same time. Like this is a uh, sec-
2: addicts are liars.
1: Yep, this is a secret that he does not want to get out. uh And again,
2: yeah, but I, if saeed sees that Virgin Mary or or Locke sees that Virgin Mary,
1: his secret's out. Well, I think that's another reason why he was so protective of that statue,
2: right? Because well, Said's in the caves, right? But yeah, Locke isn't, but Said is in that cave. So yeah, it. it it's interesting, you know all the all the yucky parts of, an, of of an attic are very layered into that scene and unless you're really paying attention, um, I think yeah that's hard that that's harder to see but it was not lost on me either that he gave up uh, Aaron for. The statue
1: but here's the other thing about that too in in that particular scene is when you see the moment that charlie realizes what is in the statue is that the statue breaks in front of him the heroin spills out but over everything and and i don't i'm not fully convinced yet at this point as a viewer and now we know what the future of the series holds because we've seen it I, i'm not fully convinced yet at the as a viewer up until this point that charlie has given in to his addiction uh, the statue to me is more like just a crutch. It is something that is there in case he has that urge again. Because uh. between the two of them, he could have very easily picked up the broken, the, the what has spilled out over a whole statue. As a whole statue, he has to break it to get to it. But it's also right there in front of him. He could have just picked up the bags of heroin over a statue. But he took the statue instead. Because I don't think he's given into the addiction yet. It's kind of like a piggy bank. You're saving up in case you need it, but you hope that you don't have to break into it.
2: No, you know, as, as no, I, I understand what you're saying. But I think, um, I don't know, he he should have walked away. He should have just walked oh, away. Oh, he
1: totally should have walked away to as I agree with that completely. But again, I'm just saying that I don't think by him taking the statue, he's given into it completely yet. I don't think he took it with the intention to use it. I think he took it with the intention of, well, if I ever get that urge, I could, but I don't know if I will. I think but he's see, still that unsure. Says that
2: his urge is right there. He still has the urge. He but, he's picks still, it up. but he's still But he, he's still fighting already, it. Already, he's already given in. He's already given into it.
1: But there's still a part By of him picking
2: that, up that statue. But it, already, that's like you quit smoking and you go buy a pack of cigarettes and you keep it in. You know, a vase or something like that. And you know that you have it. Nobody else knows that you have it. But you know that you're eventually going to use it when no one else is looking and you don't think that you're going to get caught.
1: But again, then why would he not just pick up the bags of heroin? They're much easier to hide than a statue. They're, and, and, and there's because no explanation. I don't know. And that's the I'm thing. Not, I'm I,
2: not an addict. No, and
1: <laughs> and I'm just I'm just saying in it kind of in Charlie's defense is that you're right. In by picking up the statue, he has in many ways giving in to his addiction because he's admitting that he's going to need it. But I still think at that moment, by taking the statue over the revealed bags of heroin, he's still fighting it. But he still is weak in that he thinks he might give in. That's all that's all I'm saying by that. Because otherwise, if you know you're going to use it why not just take the bags of heroin because they're right there in front of you why take the statue over the actual bags that's that's the only point i'm trying to make so we, I, don't know. I don't know either
2: you would get caught easier with uh the bags of heroin over an entire statue you could pass off the statue as as something other than what it is but you can't pass off a little baggie full of heroin you can't
1: pass off a little baggie full of heroin, but you can hide a little baggie full of heroin um, much easier than it is to hide a statue. And a statue, you have to—you know—there are people in those caves that, if they see it, know what it is. So I—I—I I, I, I don't know. I—I I think it's a double-edged sword. You can mm-hmm. look at—you can look at the whole situation in a in a, a number of different ways.
2: Yeah, so, I would say that. So,
1: um, what was your number? Two. My number two is I talked a little bit about this in, in a previous episode. This was a very this is kind of a little personal story of my own, but it, it does stem from something that happens in this episode. Um back when when this show first aired, I was working for uh Philadelphia radio station. And this morning show that I worked for and I'm still friends with to this day, when Lost aired on on did Lost I think Lost aired on Tuesdays um wednesday morning they would always go into like a 15 20 minute discussion about the episode and they would have viewers call in for stuff that they picked up on and you got to remember this is in a time where social media wasn't nearly as big as it was it took a lot more to find research about certain things that happen in episodes nowadays people just post it on facebook within like 10 minutes of it happening and you get the reveal but this is something that like took more time um there is a particular scene in in this episode where, as Sawyer is, is in the water getting ready to swim to the pontoon, there is a scene where you see the shark underwater. And I had just gotten TiVo, so I had just gotten DVR at the time, and I had never really utilized the whole rewind live TV aspect. There is a moment in this episode I used it for the first time. And it's when you see oh, the, the shark... shark. When you see the shark swim past the camera, you get a quick glimpse of possibly something on the tail fin of the shark. Mm -hmm. And I did it again last night as I was watching the episode. If you pause it at the right time, there is a Dharma logo on the shark. Um, I realized it at that time when it happened because I remember seeing it and being like, wait, 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 did I just see that? Paused Mm -hmm. it, rewound it, freeze framed it and saw the Dharma logo. We had just gotten introduced to the Dharma logo this episode. That's right. uh, As we see it in the hatch. But I remember listening to the discussion of the show and having all these people calling in about what they think is going to happen, what this means, what that means, yada, yada, yada. Nobody was mentioning this logo on the shark. Nobody had even mentioned that they had seen it. And I think at that time... Nobody did. I'm sure there were other people that had noticed it because they very obviously put it there for that reason. But I remember calling in that morning to these guys that I was friends and friends with and saying, um, did nobody else pick up or notice that logo was on the shark? And I remember, like, no, none of the morning show cast had, had picked up on it. None of the listeners had picked up on it. And it was up to me to find an image of it online and send it to them so that they could see it. But it was just a cool moment for me that in a world where very little is, re- very little is left to be discovered anymore, I was one of the first people to discover this. And I I kind of... felt
2: pretty cool. I
1: did. I felt pretty cool that I was able to discover something about this show the first time it aired and actually put it out there to the ether. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was a cool personal moment for me. And something that is going to... You know, that Dharma logo that we see for the first time in the hatch is something that plays a very important part throughout the remainder of this series. Well... No, not necessarily through the remainder of the series. It 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 plays a part for a while. The Dharma Initiative plays a very important part for a long time. Almost to the end of the series. I don't think as much in the final season. I think through season five. It I don't think it's as big of a part in in seasons in the final season.
2: It doesn't become such a ominous force. But it's. I think it, it, it's, it it's mellows out a little bit when yeah. everybody kind of assimilates altogether.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But that was—I just wanted to bring that up for my in my top five. So that was my. Number That's two. awesome. That was my number two. What about you? Very
2: nice. My number two is actually Sawyer stepping up, and we've talked a little bit about that. So I don't know. Oh. I don't know what else I could say. I mean, I you know Sawyer Sawyer being wonderful is 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 great but i think there are just certain there's certain characters that when feet to the fire uh some of them step up and some of them run off and i think that we saw both of those in michael and sawyer michael uh michael is terrible in a crisis he's horrible actually (laughs) he is he's the last person i want Uh, with me when the shit hits the fan. Sawyer keeps a cool head. He knows what to do. He's incredibly brave. He's willing to take a bullet for somebody else.
1: And then remove Um, that bullet with his own fingers.
2: Yeah. He jumped into a shark infested water to get a pontoon so that they would be in a better situation. Um, He will do what others will not do. And he's proved that several times so far. And we're only in season two, the beginning of season two. And he continues that trend throughout the entire series. And um, I just love that about this character that when, when given the opportunity to step up and do the right thing or run away and be a dick, he more, more than he doesn't, he, he steps up.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and we're, we're going to get more of that as the series progresses, too.
2: Right, exactly. But this is just a really, I thought this was a really nice example of, of those times when when Sawyer proves that he's really, he's a good guy to have on your team.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, my number one is something I, I had a little fun with. So I want to save it. I want to save it for last. Okay. And I, I want you to do your number one first.
2: My number one was the fact that we got to see, uh, some shadowy figures, and they are not the others others
1: others, as Jim, They're not
2: the others. Yeah. You know, it's, it's fun because if you've seen it before, you can see that the, that the person leading the charge, that silhouette is not one to be missed. Um, He is very, it's very, very obviously Mr. Echo. Is it though? Because
1: I watched it twice and I didn't see it. Very
2: obvious. Very obvious. His hair, the way he stands, the staff is in his hand. And the others, the others have, they are way more advanced than creating rudimentary weapons. Like the the ones that these uh, shadowy figures were holding. So they were clearly not others because of the weapons. It just didn't look right with what we've learned about the others so far. But that, to me, that was a very, very obviously mr echo uh leading the group of shadowy figures as they advanced upon um the three men of the okay world.
1: i'm i'm actually as we speak i'm going back to that scene because i looked at that scene twice and i didn't see them as anybody we should know um yeah
2: it's mr echo trust me
1: uh, well okay i'm gonna find out in like 10 seconds and I, if anything else, I will even screenshot it and send it. If I'm wrong, if if, if I feel like I'm right, um, I will screenshot it and send it out. Oh, nope, you're right. Okay, never mind. That is very obviously Mr. Echo.
2: Yeah.
1: I stand corrected.
2: Yay!
1: Uh, <laughs> um,
2: yeah This is c- a rare moment, people. <laughs> Soak it in. I stand corrected.
1: <laughs> well, because it's funny, because both Michelle Rodriguez and Adewalea Kanye are both mentioned in the credits. So uh, it makes sense now that why Ottawa is is mentioned in the credits, but uh, maybe if I go back and look at it again, perhaps uh, Anna Lucia is in that scene as well.
2: I'm sure that and I'm sure that you'll also see like Bernard and stuff like that. But if you really look closely, but for me, the big standout was that it was not the others was was Mr. Echo. Absolutely. He's you know, he. He's kind of a favorite. He is a fan favorite. I know he is, and I am totally on that bandwagon. Of oh, of I am too. I love Mr. Echo. I
1: love Mr. Echo
2: and his Jesus death Yes. Um, <laughs> so I'm just really looking forward to what's coming up. And that was my number one: was uh, that we're finally getting into some material that I personally am very excited about.
1: Oh yeah, and we're gonna get into. I think we're finally meeting them next week. Uh, in um uh, orientation. Oh, oh god. Orientation is such a fantastic episode. Uh, <laughs> both in what happens in the hatch and what happens with the um the the other or with uh, with Sawyer Jin, and Michael. There's mm-hmm. a lot that happens and it just deepens the mystery of of everything. Um,
2: make your own kind oh god.
1: <laughs> I had that in the podcast twice last week, uh, and I loved it, and it was stuck in my head while I was editing the podcast, too. Perfect. Uh, um, so my number one...
2: Forgive me if you hear my hiccups in the background. I've recently I, started a hiccup. <laughs> I,
1: I didn't even notice until you mentioned okay. it. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to save my fun one for when we're in the notes, because I really think you're going to get a kick out of my fun one. Okay. Um, so I'm going to change my number one in because we haven't really talked a lot about what happens uh, about the hatch element. No, we haven't of, talked
2: at all about the
1: story, <laughs> and there's quite a bit that that comes out of it. But I think the biggest thing that really comes out of it, outside of getting a bigger look of inside the hatch, because we. Oh, I know
2: what you're going to say. Cake gets a candy bar.
1: That's my fun one. But oh, I, okay. I, I, I. I went deep on that one. So okay, trust me, you will appreciate where I go with that. Um, I like it. So, uh, but no, I think outside of seeing obviously more of, uh, we get more of Desmond this episode and we get to see more of uh, kind of like the lounge area of the hatch and the artificial light and everything. Uh, the mystery of the numbers kind of deepens and it goes a little further in that we we obviously know that the the numbers are what are being input into that computer. To reset that timer Uh, but outside of 4 8 15 16 23 42 there is a new number added to this element now and that number is 108 the number Mm -hmm. the number 108 is what the timer reads that is the number of minutes that counts down 4 plus 8 15 16 23 42 is the sum of all the numbers Mm -hmm. and at one point in the exploration of the hatch it is written on the wall 108
2: yeah and the graffiti
1: within the graffiti Mm -hmm. and on top of that we also see the isolation that desmond has been going through because in the scene where he is holding kate and Locke at gunpoint the number of notches on the wall is ridiculous
3: yeah too many
1: you can see how long desmond has been there in isolation uh you don't know that yet at this point
2: but you're getting a feel for it. You
1: do, and uh, you do definitely get a, a bigger feel for it. But again, uh, just the mystery of what these numbers are kind of deepens a little bit. And again, we do get that the addition of the 108 added to those numbers.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: that was really one of uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up when it came
2: to college. poor John. John wanted to be the guy that was supposed to be there. He's like, "I'm the guy. Here I am." yay me <laughs> and, and uh you know he couldn't answer the riddle
1: what did one snowman say to the other
2: i forget the answer
1: do you smell carrots
2: <laughs>
1: well and do you know what's funny too is i looked into that a little bit too do you know where that came from that actually came from dominic it, it did but it came from dominic monahan making a joke to the cast on the beach in season when they were filming season one that was a bad dad joke he told to the cast and they used it in the show the writers took it and ran with it
2: i love that he That's actually, awesome. they were
1: in between scenes and he said to the cast what did one snowman say to the other hey do you smell carrots
2: i and, love it that they did that <laughs> and
1: they used it in the series which i think is fantastic
2: So that makes me really happy.
1: It does. And it makes me like Dominic Monaghan even more.
2: You know, they seem to have really, really liked him, which is wonderful. Have you ever seen any of the outtakes with him? I haven't seen any of the outtakes for Lost, period.
1: Really? I'm going to have to send you a link.
2: Yeah, do that. Lately, I've been seeing a lot of Friends outtakes that I've never seen before, which is really rare. So, um, yeah, I've been down a couple. I love... Going down those rabbit holes. Yeah,
1: I do too. Uh, especially, I've watched outtakes from Friends, Brooklyn Nine Nine, How I Met Your Mother, Community. Like, I love sitcom outtakes because I think they're hysterical. But some of the outtakes for Lost are just as fun. So I will have to send you. I'll have to send you some of the uh, the links to some of those as well. Um, all right, so I'm going to go into this because I th- I think this when I saw this connection. I immediately thought of you. So, we get that moment of Kate in in the in the pantry and we get that view of all the food that we're seeing for the first time. Uh and it's funny too to make the comparison that I you know, Kate sees the food She goes for one thing, and she tends to go to the vent to escape. But as we're going to find out a little bit later, Hurley sees that pantry in a whole different light. Oh, yeah, he does. (laughs) Um, But it's interesting that the one thing that she grabs and tastes is the Apollo candy bar. Now, I I knew that Apollo wasn't real. I knew it wasn't a real candy bar, but I looked into it a little bit. And the Apollo candy bar has shown up in other things. And I'm going to go through some of them. I'm not going to go through okay. all of them because some of them I don't know. But there are apparently eight places that we've seen the lost can- that we've seen the Apollo candy bar. One okay. of them is Lost. Um, another one it shows up actually in the movie The Purge: Election Year, which uh, Elizabeth Mitchell was in. So there's a tie-in to Lost there. Uh, it shows up in, in an episode of Once Upon a Time, which was another ABC show. It shows up um, another movie called "Dead," uh, an episode, a show called "Dead of Summer," in which um, uh, Elizabeth Mitchell was in that as well. Uh, It shows up in an episode of Scrubs, which was another ABC show. Shows Mm -hmm. up in the uh, video game Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Three, but this is the one I immediately thought of you. It shows up in. Season 3 Episode 22 Of Brooklyn Nine-Nine There is a moment at the And I remember this moment too I just didn't pick up on the connection uh, It is an episode where They were trying to find the mole Of the FBI And they're at the very end of the episode Where Captain Holt Tries his first candy bar That Peralta oh gives my him God
2: you're right the candy
1: bar that peralta gives him to try is an apollo candy bar when, oh that's right
2: when, I when he sp- leaves the chocolate trail yes
1: when i f- oh that's
2: awesome i did
1: not realize that watching brooklyn 99 but now that i've made that connection the moment i saw that it was brooklyn 99 i immediately thought of you because i know you and i share the same love for that show
2: it's on tonight. It is on
1: tonight. Well, at we're the time recording uh, on Thursday. we're recording yeah. on a Thursday, yeah. So, but i I got a big kick out of that that the first candy bar that Holt tries is an Apollo bar.
2: Yay! <laughs> and he says, "This is disgusting." Chocolate
1: and nuts. Actually, that's overkill. <laughs> <laughs> but I.
2: I- I love
1: that. Yeah, I just, I made that connection and I was going to save it for my number one, but I made it part of it. I made it an additional one too. So, uh, but that's going to wrap it up for the top five. We actually spent a good amount of time on that too. We spent more time on that than I thought we were going to.
2: Yeah, uh, well, you know, I, I could talk about addiction and grief until the cows come home. I feel, I feel very comfortable in those subjects. And I think that we had both of those subjects kind of prevalent.
1: Yeah. Oh, In yeah, for, for sure. Um, any other notes and additional things that you kind of want to bring up? I, I have maybe maybe two that I can bring up.
2: Yeah, not really. I mean, I think that we covered pretty much everything. I I don't really have anything. Other than, yay, we got to see Jin. We know Jin's alive.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's very true. And
2: poor guy's tied up. How he escaped, I'll never know.
1: <laughs> well, he is Jin. So.
2: Yeah, he's been in handcuffs before. Uh huh. <laughs>
1: yeah, poor guy <laughs> has been in captivity more than he's actually been free.
2: Poor Jin. Because
1: <laughs> even when he wasn't, even when he wasn't held captive by handcuffs, he was still wearing a handcuff. So he has been under some kind of restraint for most of this series so far. Poor Jin. It's so sad. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's important to note too that. Um, until the very end of this episode, when we see them back on... When we see Jin Sawyer, and Michael back on Mainland. Uh, the story itself, uh, in the first two episodes, hasn't progressed any further. We're basically just getting um, holes filled in from the first episode. Uh, the These two episodes kind of literally run congruent to one another. So the story hasn't progressed any further. We're just getting more of the timeline of the first episode just of as you mentioned in the beginning it's a meanwhile Mm
2: -hmm. which i
1: which i think was fun it was it was really really well done yeah i
2: agree
1: um i I think it's important to note too that we kind of the lock going against kate because i think he feels like he's the better fit to resolve the situation
2: um maybe i i think that him giving her the knife knowing that she could get out of it and she could probably get in and out of tricky situations more than he can. And, you know, he's really good at talking his way out in and out of situations. I think that he actually made the good call there.
1: All right. That's a good point. I, I actually forgot about the knife when I made that note. Uh, so yeah, so, okay. I take that back. Uh, the only other thing I have to mention too is the, uh, the stuffed animal that Michael gives to Walt polar bear, polar bear. And it goes, it leaked, it takes me back to what my initial thoughts were when we talked back in season one is that I think they had other plans for the whole Walt polar bear connection. And for the abilities that Walt has that we never get an answer to.
2: Then they should have chosen a kid that had gone through puberty already.
1: Well. I agree with that.
2: I'm just <laughs> saying that they chose a kid that was obviously going to go through some huge growth spurts in season hiatuses, and unless that they could preemptively try to explain that, then they shouldn't have given that much responsibility and potential storyline to a kid. I, I think that that was a major misstep.
1: I, I'm not disagreeing with you one bit on that. Um, so yeah, that's really all I have as far as my notes go. Cool. Uh, so Manifest is, is still on. Uh, and I know last week we were talking about the possibility of not really progressing further with the Manifest Minutes because we weren't happy with last week's episode. And I think it's pretty safe to say we're going to keep going
2: yeah this Uh, episode was pretty great (laughs) um,
1: so let's let's take a couple minutes and progress and to the manifest minutes and that we have this week's episode which was contrails it's the the second episode back from the finale uh, or from the mid-season finale and uh yeah they one of the big issues we had with last week was that they kind of got away from the whole mystery of the plane And what happened to these people. And man, they went right back to it in this episode. I was so drawn in. There were still elements of this episode that kind of turned me off a little bit. Um, I'm still not sold on the whole mole within them of the one survivor with the phone thing. and I feel like that's just a big course correction that they're doing now. I don't know where they're going with it one time she's not with him, now she's, you know, back to being a mole again. I just I don't know. And
2: And now she's kidnapped a child?
1: Yeah, I I, I personally I, I don't know if she's kidnapped a child or kind of Cal kind of went off on his own. I don't know yet. Um because it's basically because of the fact that she left through the bedroom. Uh left through the bedroom window. Um but I, I just kind of I've I've stopped caring about that element of the story. I just I have no interest in it.
2: Well, so I I'm hoping that the the disappearance of Cal actually is by the major or by this mole only because I think that that's the one thing that's going to get Grace to get over herself and maybe join Ben and Be Michaela. Yeah, um, because I think that that's kind of their their uh, their. What what was the word that I'm looking for? That's kind of where they're not seeing eye to eye, Ben and Grace, is the fact that she thinks that Ben is putting them in danger on purpose when really they've been in danger the entire time and Ben's trying to keep Cal safe. And, um, you know, she's more concerned with her relationship status than anything else. And I, I, I'm i hoping this snaps her back into, oh, I see, my husband is trying to keep us all safe, blah, 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 how can I help? And then maybe that'll move that story forward a little bit. And then we can have at least one less love triangle.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, because even with the other love triangle too, with Michaela and Jared, like it's, it's almost like, okay, we got what we wanted last episode, but now... They're questioning it, which is totally mm-hmm. understandable if you're in that situation. But it was almost kind of like a tease last week. So I, I don't know where they're going to go with it. I, I kind of hope the two of them do end up back together uh, because I think that's the way it should be. But that's just my opinion on it. I don't
2: know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what? Oh, Michaela and Jared or Ben and Grace?
1: M- M- uh, Michaela and Jared
2: yeah they should be together but it is complicated and you know that that'll resolve itself or it won't and i don't really care either way um
1: when it comes to ben and grace i I, part of me still feels like he's better off without not being there i i mean it's i don't know i just i kind of feel like he's he's a little better off not being with grace i don't know how you feel about the
2: situation Oh, I, I think Grace is completely unlikable, and they're trying desperately to find her, her character footing in the story. Um, but if we go back to the mystery, do you think that the plane was shot down, or well, do you think you know, that it went uh, into the future? What do you I, think?
1: I thought so hard about this, and I actually think that was a brilliant way the writers resolved that. Because it leaves it a total mystery.
2: They can't find the plane. No, they They can't. can't find any of the wreckage. But
1: here's the thing, though. I think the way it was done, I don't think we're ever going to know the answer. I think it's totally left up to interpretation because unless this show makes a time jump five years into the future, we're never going to know.
2: Wouldn't that be cool if we did do time jumps, though? Now we have jump forwards and jump backs. Like, here's what's going on now and here's what's going on before.
1: If they do that, I hope it doesn't happen until season two. Don't do it this season. I think that the way they set up that situation with the plane going into the lightning and just being a flash. And it just happens to be the moment that they, these guys feel they're going into the future and the plane was also supposed to be shot down. Not finding the wreckage, not seeing any of this incident. I. I I think the way it was done was v- so super well done to leave it a total, utter mystery. Because mm-hmm. I really, I thought about that hard when that happened. I was like, well, it really could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know what happened to this. I actually was hoping, and I kind of almost wanted to go back and rewatch this episode in hopes that I would see something in the lightning and you don't there's nothing in the lightning it's just the lightning and the flashes from the lightning but i i really i don't know because it's you find out from the reports that the cover up happened when they disappeared and not when the flight happened not when the flight mm-hmm. left so there's so much more adding now to the mystery of this flight and that's what i've been wanting for the past couple episodes I like I I understand you have to build on the connection that these passengers have and I do want that but I too wanted to know what the hell happened on this plane and now they're actually going into that and they're diving deeper into that. Mhm. And I'm I'm sad that the the character of this this pilot who was such an engaging character and I wanted to know more about we're not going to know more about. Because he's gone, and they kind of rode off the doctor a little bit quickly too. But I don't know. I think the only thing that could potentially make this even more of a mystery is if somehow, one way or another, they show up again. I don't like. Know. Maybe
2: it's not five and a half hours. Maybe it's like relative to how long the flight was supposed to be like since it was a five and a half hour flight, probably that's five and a half, uh, years. Maybe
1: Uh, potentially,
2: but I mean like, because there's nothing that says that them going through the lightning, if they did in fact go through, uh, to the future, um, or time past or whatever, uh, there, there's no saying, there's no telling, um, that it's going to be a set amount of time it could it could vary it could be different
1: well that's what i mean because uh, you you make a good point in that there was a five and a half hour flight they ended up five and a half years in the future the thing about that is too they weren't five and a half hours into the flight at that time they were still over the ocean so their five and a half hour flight hadn't completed yet um so unless it was designed that way to send them five and a half years because there's a part of me that thinks there are no aliens or outside supernatural forces involved I think this could be a matter of government science this could be a form of time travel that our government has established and they were test subjects um, so I don't think there could be any aliens or supernatural elements I think this could be purely scientific and this is a way because again five and a half yeah, but they years they
2: killed the meteorologist
1: well, it's just a cover-up. Uh, th- I think that was just purely cover-up, because he knew about this lightning and everything. So, they—I
2: actually really nerded out and I looked up dark lightning on um, I Fucking Love dot com. <laughs> Does it exist? <laughs> It does. It uh, is actually a thing. It, it emits gamma rays. And um, there was a certain spacecraft that was out in space that caught like all of these gamma ray bursts. And they were trying to figure out where it was coming from. And they learned that it was coming from Earth and it wasn't coming from uh, the solar system or, or, or um, you know, the, the, the universe. And so then they started researching lightning and there's lightning experts. And I can post the video up on our page. Um, it's like a quick five minute video and it's way over my head in a lot of spots, but you know, for it, it's interesting just to learn that dark, dark lightning is, is a thing. It's and I,
1: true. I, I'm just totally, I, I'm in awe about the fact, cause I love scientific stuff like that. Like I, I'm a, I'm a big science nerd. Like I love like the TV show cosmos with, uh, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson and, and mm-hmm. such. And
2: well, this I, is a video on this is a video that was actually shared from NASA. So now Na, it's 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 a video from NASA about dark lightning and and how it pertains to space and how they discovered it and stuff like that. So it's a short video, but it's out there.
1: Well, I'm it just ex- I'm just excited that there's a YouTube channel called I fucking love science because uh, I want to check this out now just to see oh. what other kind of stuff that they post. Is it a you YouTube channel or a on website? Facebook? No, I don't.
2: Oh, that's weird. I will I, now. Yeah, they've been around for ever.
1: Is it? Is it a Facebook page?
2: It's a Facebook page. It's um. It's a website. Could be a YouTube channel. I mean, I fucking love sciences. Is uh. It's pretty well known. Um. That's where I get that's it you yeah look it up look it up spend some time today and 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 look through it it's pretty cool
1: i'm gonna have to because that intrigues me because again i love science stuff like that so like again when cosmos was on i was so engrossed in the cosmos because stuff like that like totally blows my mind like it's it's tough to grasp a lot of scientific stuff like that but i love it i love it so much so knowing that black lightning exists or dark lightning exists that excite that excites me not the hoping that i get caught in it but just knowing that it's out there so and it also again it kind of um, hardens my belief that I think there's something more scientific to this than supernatural. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So any other notes on manifest before we um, we kind of move on to feedback and such?
2: Nope, that's all I really had about manifest for this time. Okay,
1: but yeah, it's uh, I'm glad that they're they're getting back to the actual mystery of the plane. And yeah, it's kind of deepening yeah, a little bit cool. more. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, cool. So uh, before we get into listener feedback, which we, we do have a couple pieces, uh, we want to give you guys and inform you guys of the ways that you can leave feedback, which we do encourage uh, you to do so. Uh, and there are many different ways that you can do that. First and foremost, we are, of course, on Facebook. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Lost Revisited.
2: We are on Instagram at Lost Revisited Pod. Uh, you can email us at
1: Lost Revisited Pod at gmail.com.
2: And if you'd like to leave a message, you can record yourself and send it to our email address. Which, or uh, on Facebook Messenger. Yeah. Or on Instagram DM.
1: <laughs> Any way that you want to get in contact with us, again, <laughs> uh, we, we encourage you to do so. Leave us feedback on the episodes uh, of Lost and Manifest as well. Because we do know we get some feedback from Manifest too, which is uh, a lot of fun. But let's jump into that listener feedback, and of course, our feedback this week comes from our buddy Steve, who leaves us voicemail, who leaves us voicemails every week, uh, and he has left us two this week, as he usually does, one for Lost and one for Manifest. So let's go ahead and play those, and we will start first with his vo- uh, with his feedback for Adrift.
3: Hi, Kristen and Ben, this is Steve, and a few thoughts on Adrift. Um, did you, is that beginning, are we seeing through Mike's eyes at the beginning there before he sinks under the water and Sawyer uh, pulls him up? I thought that was, that's what it seemed like to me. Um, and Sawyer pulling the bullet out of his shoulder with his, with his fingers, I guess we're just asked to suspend our disbelief on that. I don't know if that could really, really happen. Um, I never realized it until this time, but when you add the numbers to, together together, The the way they're referenced, 4 plus 8 plus 15 plus 16 plus 23 plus 42, it equals 108. You may have already mentioned this, but that's the number of minutes between pressing the execute button. Also, Desmond just takes Locke's word for it when he says that he's not going to hurt him and that Kate is a fugitive and just immediately switches gears, and even though... Locke is the one who's got a knife he has him tie up Kate and then put Kate in that storage room. And is it ever explained why everything else in the storage room has generic labels on it except for the candy bars that the Apollo those Apollo candy bars? I don't remember if that comes out, but even the tin that the candy bars were in was just generically labeled candy. But then within, you know, it has this kind of name brand bar, whereas everything else is has got generic labels on it. Um, All in all, the Michael flashbacks seemed it, it was touching and heartbreaking to to see and to kind of learn why he was so desperate to to keep Walt. But at the same time. It just seemed it didn't. It seemed out of place to me. Uh, anyway, talk to you
1: later. Uh, you know, Steve does make a couple interesting points. We did know about the 108 uh, and the minutes together. We talked a little bit about that earlier, and I don't think I put that together at that time. I think it took a little later, but I I, I was aware of that already before we got in, went into that episode. Um, I don't think we have to suspend uh, suspend disbelief when it comes to removing the bullet. I I think. It's something that's physically possible, and I think if you're put in that situation where you're you're under that amount of desperation, I, I think you're almost willing to do anything to survive.
2: Well, and adrenaline. I yeah. I think adrenaline should never be discounted.
1: Yeah. I don't think there's any need to disp- suspend disbelief for that. I, I think that was totally believable that
2: that could happen. I mean, I couldn't do it.
1: No, I'd be dead. Yeah. I'd lose my arm.
2: I'd be like, well, this is the end. The bullet stays in. <laughs> yep. So I just sew it up. We'll be fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just going to succumb to infection. It's fine.
2: Yeah, it was a nice. It was a nice life.
1: <laughs> it, it was nice having a right arm, but it's gone now. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I think it's. I think if you're in that that desperate of a situation and you you throw adrenaline to in into that, I, I think it's totally possible and plausible.
2: Yeah. Um, as far as the candy bar goes, I would probably go the, the re, what the way I would justify it, because he does make a good point about how everything is uh, generic, is that it was probably a special request at some point, you know, hey, if I'm going to be here by myself, can I at least have my candy bars?
1: I don't know if that's necessarily true, though, because the only way he can request the food drop is through the computer.
2: I look. I don't know. I, I'm <laughs> look, man. I'm. I'm just trying to, to explain away the fact that Steve's totally right on this. <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing with a label.
1: <laughs> he does make a very valid point in that it is the only thing that uh, has a, a brand name to it. Everything else is generic.
2: Kate's face when she bites into that thing is just like you can feel the satisfaction yeah i mean you could just <laughs> you were right there with her in that moment <laughs> it's
1: it's like a mouthgasm at that point right. <laughs> it really is like it's probably one of those things that in that moment is probably better than sex
2: oh, is, yeah. is
1: tasting chocolate um mm-hmm. uh, on on the uh for the first time in a while
2: i love chocolate
1: uh, i do too i just don't eat as much of it anymore
2: i can't have dairy anymore so it's either dairy-free dark chocolate or nothing at all
1: i'm sorry i feel Uh, me
2: too uh but yeah let's
1: jump into the other piece of feedback and that is steve's uh feedback on manifest so let us go into that now
0: hey kristen and bennett steve Uh, this is for contrails uh I think you're right i think last week's episode was kind of a misstep but i really like i like this one I, I hope you guys uh, liked it too they got back to the mystery they um, have given us another kind of cliffhanger because it sounded like the news reports were saying that they couldn't find the wreckage of the the captain and fiona's plane so i uh, wonder what happened there if we'll ever uh, find out more about that and uh you know it's like all the storylines from last week like this we had to have last week's episode to get to this week's episode but this week's episode i think would have been a better premiere mid-season premiere um anyway can't wait to hear what you guys thought. talk to you later
1: um i don't know what it was about that particular voicemail uh but (laughs) this is gonna sound so weird Steve is a fellow podcaster himself. He does the Panels to Pixels uh, podcast on the Next Level Podcast Network with our friend Mark. Um, I don't know what it was about that. Steve's voice was so soothing
2: for that <laughs> minute.
1: <laughs> I don't know. He almost found a deeper tone in his voice recording that one. And I almost felt comforted <laughs> by his voice in that voicemail. Oh,
2: that's so sweet. Sweet.
1: <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what it was. But there was just something about his tone of voice in that voicemail that I just found so soothing.
2: I, I don't know. It's what? He has like a real good like smooth jazz <laughs> here on 98.1. I, did, I, f- I felt like he could have been
1: like an NPR host.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or, or like something for meditation where he's like, you're getting very sleepy.
1: Yeah, I, and Steve, I I don't and mean watch that in the
2: waves go in. I don't mean out. that in a
1: negative way at all. I mean that in such a genuine way. I felt your voice was just so, so soothing for that like minute. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see that Steve's on the same page with us too when it comes to manifest. In that last week was a misstep, and this week they kind of they found their footing again.
2: Yeah. Um. So he actually messaged me. A couple days ago and he goes so i really liked manifest this week you did too right and i'm like yeah totally <laughs> i really liked it i thought it was way better <laughs>
1: <laughs> i guess he wanted to double check i don't know if he had left us the voicemail or not by that point but yeah i get maybe he just wanted to confirm hopefully that he didn't find excitement in an episode that we hated
2: well and you know what even if you did like i welcome that feedback you know i i like it when people um When people disagree, I mean, you and I, I think we work really well together because we don't agree all the time. Yeah. Right. So um, and a lot of times I I like to see somebody else's point of view or I like to try and make other people think the right way, which is my way. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's
1: one of the reasons why we encourage the feedback too. Is because especially if your feedback is different than what we what we have to say, mm-hmm. that that's why we really encourage it because we want to hear the different points of view. It's great if you agree with us, and we want to hear that too. But if you and you if you differ in your point, we definitely want to hear it. Yes. So uh, you know, and that's that's not to say don't intentionally be different. But if you do disagree with what we say, or you feel a little bit differently, definitely let us know. And send us mm-hmm. that feedback.
2: Yes, please. Um,
1: I think that's going to wrap it up pretty much for this week. Last and not least, last but not least, uh, but not least uh, one of the other things that we want to mention is we encourage you to check out uh, all of the other content, both on the Podcastica and Next Level Podcast Networks, and you know, respectively, from where Kristen and I come from. I know. We just got an announcement recently when Game of Thrones is going to be premiering. April 14th,
2: 2019, April 14th, 2019, <laughs> 9 p.m. HBO, be there or be square. Sunday, 15. Sunday,
1: Sunday. Sunday,
2: Sunday, <laughs> Sunday. Uh,
1: so, I mean, now more than any, your house Podcastica podcast is uh, more prevalent than ever before because you're you're finishing up your, your rewatch. You're timing it perfectly with the, the comeback of season eight uh the final season feel
2: hard to do too (laughs) oh what getting caught up i'm i'm coming off of an epic podcast uh recording binge so uh yeah but it's been really fun and um yeah i've noticed that the feedback is starting to trickle in a little bit more people are getting excited so and it adds to the excitement of course for the show and we're planning a big finale uh party we are i can't wait i'm so excited I know, it's gonna be really fun it's another
1: get together for all of us uh as we call ourselves zed heads
2: mm-hmm. uh
1: to get together but uh for not just for the game of thrones finale but just because we we love the opportunities we get to kind of hang out in person and uh, ben
2: and i are genuinely actually friends <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. we just don't get to see each other that often
2: i know we never yeah but you know what i get to talk to you all the time and that's good enough if it has to be good enough, then it is absolutely good enough.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good opportunity for all of us to get together and hang out. But I'm excited Game of Thrones is coming back. I know you're excited Game of Thrones is, is coming back. It's mm. gonna be kind of bittersweet. Bittersweet because bittersweet. Bittersweet. You messed it up. I know. It. I corrected myself. You're stupid. No, see, you don't know my terminology. <laughs> bittersweet is something completely different. It's the <laughs> Jake. Like per- it's That's the Jake. Like
2: Jay- it's crick it's, instead of creek
1: it's the jake peralta way of saying bittersweet
2: uh, it's the uh, noise sure.
1: and toit way of saying bittersweet
2: <laughs>
1: bittersweet i'm coining it hashtag okay. bittersweet <laughs> I
2: uh, steer into the skid there you
1: go <laughs> steer into the hurricane steer into the dark lightning um God, anyway, uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be bittersweet because it is the end of the series, and the series has been so good, but uh, I'm excited to see uh, how it's going to wrap, and I am doing, I am playing this the same way you do, and I know other people do, and that I am not reading any articles, I am not watching any trailers, uh, I'm not looking at any behind-the-scenes photos, I am going into this completely blind.
2: Do you know how hard it is right now? I mean, I, look, I, I host a Game of Thrones podcast. <laughs> and so I have to, like, I have to look uh, for, for clips to do the beginning of, um, of our episode with, the, with the episode clip. And so ju- just like we do for this, for this podcast, right? And you just type in on YouTube, Game of Thrones, and it's like, yeah. And you're like, no. And so I've learned how to like magic eye glaze my eyes at this point. And I just like type in what I need. And I have like, my hands are all up on the screen until I find exactly what I need. And then I go to the HBO app to watch the show to prepare for the episode. And it's like, it wants to force feed me the trailer. And I'm like, stop
1: it. <laughs> well, yeah, because they were when they released when they announced the date, they released a trailer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's only a teaser. I think it's only like a minute long. But still, that minute is more than a minute of, is one minute longer of material I want to see from the show.
2: I don't want to see anything. When I say that, I mean nothing. No pictures no information oh, no hashtag you when nothing. i
1: posted the article in the in the group I that we're to in kill
2: you <laughs> all it was
1: was a title it had one image of yep, something that much. we already know happens
2: Yep, but it was it it wasn't it but, okay but, but, but because
1: it, it was a we'll new image we'll talk
2: about this when we're done well, we could talk about this when, <laughs> we're still recording okay <laughs> <laughs>
1: the oh god it's it, no i have no problem with it i just it makes me laugh how strict you are with it but i am I,
2: super i'm like weird about it and i've warned all of my friends and family listen i will be the bitch from hell when it comes to this i love you all i think you're all amazing for, for the game of thrones finale i've told people i need a dark room i love you i'll be there for the second watch i'll be there for the whole weekend but i've i've seen how you how these people are and i love every single one of them with all of my heart but when alcohol and big moments com- combine with these friends there's going to be talking and screaming and commentary, and I don't need that shit. Oh, I I'm, don't want it. On I'm my the first same way. Watch.
1: When it comes to watching a show for the first time, I, I am of the mindset, and I will be this way with Game of Thrones. Uh, you do not talk until a commercial. Unfortunately for you, there are no commercials in Game of Thrones, so don't say a word. From start to right, finish, exactly. don't talk.
2: <laughs> I want it pitch black, I want the sound up, and I want a big ass TV.
1: Well, yeah, I, I agree with that completely.
2: Then, then let's just watch it at your house.
1: I know, because I, <laughs> I have a big ass HD TV. I have a big, big ass four K TV. Even if
2: your cats make noise, it's not a lot. I'll, of I'll lock him in a
1: the bedroom. They won't. They'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I think I think it's time to wrap up <laughs> this yeah, week's episode I'm so sorry, of the podcast. I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry. They, they should know by now. This is us. This is the way we are.
2: We go off the rails. At least we did it at the end. So if people are done, they've probably already shut
1: us They've already tuned us out. It's fine. Uh, But thank you guys so much. As I mentioned earlier, our numbers keep getting better and better every week, which means there are still people out there who love this show as much as we do. And we love diving back into it and talking about it uh, and sharing that with all of you. So hopefully you guys share your opinions with us at the same time. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of We Have to Go Back. Until next time, we'll see you guys further down that rabbit hole. Take care.
2: Bye. Valar Dohyris. We have to go back,
0: Kate. We have to go back.